0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, my name's Kevin Norcross, pastor of Next Generation Outreach, and uh, really looking forward to sharing God's word with you today. Um, also, if you're new, I would love to meet you after the service. Really, really glad you're here. We're continuing on in the book of Mark. It's good to be together here in the room and those uh, watching from home. Um, before we get into things, I just want to take a moment to, to pray for our junior high ministry. It's just so cool seeing all those students go out for the teaching time. And this week, they are having junior high day camp. So when we started thinking of this and strategizing this back in, uh, back in January, we were like, wouldn't it be great if we could get maybe 20 students together for a week of day camp, do fun activities, learn about God. Anyways, it kept growing and growing and growing. This week they have 46 students attending our junior high day camp. Isn't that cool? Really, really exciting. A bunch of leaders, they're going to Canada's Wonderland on Friday. And you know what? As a student, these kind of things are very, very instrumental in your uh, spiritual maturity. So let's take a moment to pray for them and the leaders. That's a lot of kids. So let's pray for that right now. God, thank you so much for our student ministry. I thank you for the great things you're doing uh, in our youth. God, I thank you for this junior high camp this week. What an amazing response. What a great need that um, that is being filled. We pray for each and every student. I know some of them are Christ followers, some of them are not. And God, I pray that you would do a deep work in each one of their hearts. I pray for the youth team as they lead out on this camp and the leaders, that you would give them strength, that you would lead them by your spirit. And we just pray that great things would happen this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, yeah, today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 11, verse 27 to 33. And basically what happens in this little scripture is a battle takes place. Jesus against the religious rulers of the day. I've never personally been in a physical fight. Um, I think I'm just too big and scary, and no one wants to fight me. (laughs) But I've been in arguments. I've crossed the line with my vehicle and, and got a little aggressive in my driving from time to time. Um, I've played sports, and I've fought very hard to win and to be competitive. Um, I really enjoy fishing. And a couple times, I've had the opportunity to fight a really big fish. But I've never been in a fist fight. And as I studied this scripture, this, these few verses, it seemed to me like a battle. Like this fight that Jesus had with these religious rulers, and when I thought of it, I just it it was like a boxing match to me. And the sport of boxing is incredible. The training that these people go through, the uh, the the tactics, the skills. I can't imagine what it would be like to get in a ring, willfully <laughs> letting someone punch you and trying to defend yourself. I imagine the emotion as they walk down that, in that arena with the crowds, stepping into this ring to fight another human. And in this scripture, that's what Jesus does. He goes toe to toe with these religious leaders. And uh, at this point in his ministry, he's continuing to establish his kingdom. And it's exactly against the Jewish leaders. It's a battle between the name, Jesus, and God's authority against the religious rulers and their human authority. The arena where this battle takes place is the temple, and we see the truth of God's word clash with the ideals of society and with their religion. And we're going to see how Jesus masterfully wins this argument. And I got a lot of joy out of watching how how amazing and precise Jesus was as he combated their lies. Now, in the background, we're also going to see how this applies to us because we wake up every day doing what we need to do to represent Christ and to be the light of the world. And we interact with people and we come up against uh, sin and evil and ideals in society. Each one of you face those battles each and every day. We face the battle corporately as a church. We need to stand up for truth no matter how ugly it gets. And so in the background, we're going to see how this applies to our own lives as we go toe-to-toe in battle each and every day. So with with that as the backdrop, we're going to read today's scripture. Again, it's Mark chapter 11, 27 to 33. So let's stand together and we'll read this account. Mark chapter 11, 27 to 33. So they arrived again in Jerusalem. While Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you authority to do this? Jesus replied, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from men? Tell me. They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why don't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for everyone held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. All right, you can sit down. So again, here we see this battle taking place. The religious leaders, they throw their punches, and Jesus answers back. They're coming at Jesus with all their wit and all their smarts, but Jesus totally obliterates them and destroys them in this argument. You face similar battles today against you personally, and like I said, we face battles like this as a church. But what we need to be reminded about today And what we can bank on is our big idea. And the big idea is this. The truth of Scripture wins against the lies of this world. Now, this would be a good opportunity for us to agree with that statement by saying amen. So I'm going to say it again. (laughs) The truth of Scripture wins against the lies of the world. Yes. Isn't that exciting? I really got into this little scripture here. It's really, really fun. No matter how the Jewish leaders tried to derail Jesus and what God was doing, his truth reigns supreme. No matter how much comes against you personally and the church, God's truth reigns supreme. So let's go through verse by verse and uh, learn some amazing truth together. So we learned last week from, from Pastor Neil about um, Jesus cleansing the temple About the fig tree. Uh, Neil talked about the rottenness of people's hearts. He explained the, the coconut, how if you open up a coconut, it gives a sweet aroma, but if a coconut's rotten, then it leaves a nasty stench. We want our lives to be a fragrance to God. And Jesus had cleansed the temple and called out the religious leaders on their sin, and he taught them about prayer. So, Uh, This verse says that Jesus and the disciples went into Jerusalem and entered the temple area. It says they arrived again, meaning they had been there before and they were going again. This was the third time that they had entered into Jerusalem. And this would have been Tuesday of the Holy Week. With this, this was the focal point of Jesus' ministry, the temple. This is where it all took place. This is the battle arena. Jesus entered the battle arena and caused the Commotion! <laughs> he had just been there and cleansed the temple and caused a scene. And, and so people wanted to see what was happening. They knew Jesus was coming, and they wanted to see what was happening. Everyone was talking about it, and they wanted to see what Jesus was doing next. He was challenging the religious leaders of that day, and people didn't want to miss it. It's kind of like when a, a fight breaks out in a schoolyard. You know, you see it on the movies. What happens? What do all the kids do? They want to see what's happening, right? They want to get in on the drama. You see that in a car accident in the 401, everybody slows down and rubbernecks and looks at the the car accident. People want to be a part of, of what's going on. And that's what's happening in the scripture. Jesus shows up, the crowds gather. They want to see what's going on. And of course, he faces opposition of three different groups of people. The chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the Jewish leaders. And these groups made up The Sanhedrin was the, which was the high court uh, in the day, in that day. The leaders who made up this group would have been the smartest and most biblically educated in the city. They would have been dripping with with religious pride and arrogance. But of course, this didn't affect Jesus. (laughs) This didn't throw him off at all. He entered that boxing ring ready to go. Let's do this. The Sanhedrin comes at Jesus with their brilliance but it's no match for Jesus' witty responses. They lay out traps and snares for Jesus, but they're no match for his cleverness and his responses. This is really interesting as I studied it. Rather than him defending himself against these religious leaders who had hard hearts and they didn't really want to know the truth, he used this opportunity to speak truth for those who were listening and who had soft hearts and would hear the message and who wanted to, to know Jesus. And Jesus also leads the way for us following after him and what to do in those situations. Because sometimes we, we come up against people who challenge us about our faith or challenge us about our lifestyle or challenge us about our choices But they are not doing that because they actually really want to know Jesus. They're doing that to pick a fight. They're doing that to try and bully you. And you need to be careful. We need to be careful to not back down from what scripture says. Not back down from the truth of God's word. But also we need to be very savvy about who we enter into conversation with and to be careful. I remember this came up uh, when I was in youth ministry. I was counseling one of my leaders, and he was facing tremendous opposition. He faced it in his life growing up, had a difficult childhood. He faced it um, from teachers, and he started to, to have these experiences where he felt like he was in this battle, and he was trying to stand up for what he believed in. He sought counseling, and this counselor told him this phrase that I'll never forget. And I use it over and over and over, giving people advice. His counselor told him this as he was you know, talking to people and bearing his soul to them. And here's what I've been through in my life. Here's the battles that I've faced. Here's why I stand up for truth. The counselor said this, never bleed in front of sharks. <laughs> and that hit me like a ton of bricks. And what I took from that to mean is that when you're going through something and when you're in a battle, Be careful who you bear your soul to. (laughs) Be aware who you're talking to. And if you're talking to a shark, don't bleed in front of the shark. Because it gets them all riled up, ready for more. And as you go through your journey in life, you will come up against sharks. Who don't want to hear God's truth, but they come at you. And I challenge you, don't bleed in front of sharks. And Jesus sniffed it out. Jesus knew that these guys had hard hearts. He knew that they didn't want to hear the truth. And so he treated them that way. And and it's it's just amazing. So Jesus had cleansed the temple. That was a big deal. He caused a big scene and he took dramatic measures, drastic measures to prove his point. And the fact that he was met when he came into Jerusalem and he was met by those big group of leaders, the really smart people, That's because he had made such a stink the last time he was in Jerusalem. He caused a scene and they met him there for combat. Now, they would have wanted to arrest Jesus on the spot, but they knew that the people wouldn't like that. So what they did is they asked him a question to try and trip him up. They asked him a question to try and trick him to give them a reason to arrest him. They think they're so smart, (laughs) but they have no idea who they're dealing with. They're about to pick a fight with the wrong guy. They ask him, by what authority are you doing these things? Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? These things would mean the cleansing of the temple. By what authority are you doing these things? And they are wanting to challenge Jesus' authority because Jesus was there to set up his authority in this new kingdom so they try to get him to say the, wrong, say the wrong thing, to give them an excuse to arrest him. But there is so much more at stake in this battle for both sides. While the Sanhedrin would have been worried, afraid, and would have been scheming to develop their battle plan, Jesus, with all his glory and his power and his gentleness and his calmness and his authority, responds with a solid left hook. He says this, I will ask you one question. It's kind of like, no, you ask me, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you one question. Answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. So here's the question. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? Tell me. So he, he answers back their question with another question. He says, do you think God is behind uh, John's bat- mission or not? And at first glance, you might think, whoa, is Jesus trying to evade the question? Is Jesus thrown off a little bit by what they said? Or perhaps uh, he's trying to lead them as- astray? But as you look deeper, you realize that there's, his answer is actually brilliant, the way he answers them. And this is a reminder to us, one of the amazing benefits we have as Christ followers is study of God's word studying God's word, digging into the commentaries, digging into what's behind the scenes. Because this is an example, kind of at first glance as you read it, you might miss what's being said. Now, I know you don't always have the time to do deep, long studies of scripture. Sometimes you're, you're just busy with the family and with work and all that, and it's a great accomplishment just reading your Bible um, every day. But I encourage you to carve out some time in your week where you're gonna say, I'm gonna actually dig in to to scripture and see what's there. And there's great resources out there um, for that. So here's what I learned as I dug deeper into the commentaries and into study. So again, this question, John's baptism, was it from heaven or human origin? So first of all, this phrase John's baptism meant all the ministry that John did. Okay, his teaching, his ministry. So Jesus is asking them about the whole ministry. John's baptism, his whole ministry, was it from heaven or human origin? The phrase from heaven meant from God. We've taught this before. The word heaven, a common Jewish substitute for the divine name of God. So he's basically asking them, paraphrasing here, was John's ministry and teaching from God? Was John's ministry and teaching from God? Now, this is where it gets amazing, and I get giddy about this. I think I'm the most excited person in the room about this. But Now, remember, a part of John's ministry was baptizing Jesus. A part of his ministry was baptizing Jesus. So let's read that account, and you're, you're seeing how amazing this, this answer to the question is. At, at that time, Mark 9, uh, 1, Mark 1, 9 to 13, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice uh, from heaven came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him into the wilderness and it was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. And the the angels attended him. You see, in that moment when John baptized Jesus, a voice declared Jesus as God's son. Heaven opened and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. So if the Sanhedrin wanted to know, by what authority are you doing this? They have to look at John's baptism of Jesus for the answer. Isn't that brilliant? If they acknowledge that John was sent by God, which many people believed in that day, Uh, then they would have had to acknowledge that Jesus was sent by God. If John's mission was ordained by God, then so is Jesus' mission. And therefore, what he did at the temple was legitimate. Everything he said about the rottenness of their hearts, everything he did by clearing out the temple, all that stuff, they would have had to admit that that was legitimate, that that was okay. And it was a big deal what Jesus did at the temple. He called them out for their hypocrisy, They were in control of the temple and they were gaining a lot from it personally. Like Neil taught us last week, they were using the temple for their own gain and not for prayer. So Jesus makes this huge statement about the religious leaders and by cursing the fig tree. So in this moment, Jesus puts them on their heels and basically says a decision about John is a decision about Jesus. Isn't that cool what you can pull out of there as you kind of dig deeper into the study So this jab, this attack by Jesus would have hurt the Sanhedrin very much because they would have been scrambling and and falling back from this blow. Again, this was a battle and they were going toe to toe. The knowledge of of God and the knowledge of the world. So immediately the group retreats and they go into strategy mode. This would be like a, a football huddle. The team getting ready for the next play. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to counter that? It would be like a sports team calling timeout and pulling out the playbook and going through. What do we do next? It would have been like a boxing match between rounds where the person's sitting down there in the corner and the coach is giving them a pep talk and getting them ready to go. For a few years, I coached volleyball for for my daughter. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, but they let me do it, so I gave it a shot. And we had a great time. Like three or four years I did that. And with volleyball, we would, like other sports, we would practice and we would prepare and we would get ready for the game. And in the game, volleyball, like other sports, a big part of the game is momentum. And sometimes in volleyball, because there's so many points, some teams would just rally and get momentum. Or they'd get a good server back there, and she would just get point after point after point. And one tactic that I learned, because I watched other coaches doing it, is they'd call a timeout. And in, in uh, volleyball culture, when uh, a coach calls timeout, that's a clear statement that the other team's doing good, and we, and we got to throw them off our game. So the other team cheers, and they're like, yeah, they call timeout. They're trying to keep momentum going. But you pull your team together, and when they started, they were 13, so they would be wiping their eyes, and we're going to lose the game. And we would, we would rally together. We would stop the momentum, try and throw the server off a little bit, and get out there refreshed and focused and that's what the Sanhedrin does they retreat and they go back into the huddle um, trying to figure out what they're going to do next so in the huddle this is what they say verse 31 they discussed it among themselves and said if we say from heaven he will ask then why didn't you believe him but if we say of human origin they fear the people for everyone in hell john was really a prophet So they answered Jesus, we don't know. (laughs) I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. They said, we don't know. They knew they were in trouble. They knew however they answered this question, they were in big trouble. I love it, I'm getting more joy out of this than you understand. I just find it so amazing and powerful, but it's also very entertaining imagining, because remember, people are watching this go down. I imagine people must have been when they said, we don't know, Bunch of snickering, oh, they don't, they don't know what to say. I love it. So Jesus' response, again, puts them back on their, on their heels. They know they're losing this fight. They needed to discuss things because they knew they were in a tough spot. They thought they were putting Jesus in a tough spot, but he puts them in the corner. And they—they—they they, they stuck. they were stuck in the corner, and they're in deep, deep trouble. They were aware that either way Jesus answered if, if they said from heaven or from human origin, it would put them in a predicament. If they said from heaven, this would recognize that John was sent from heaven and that they also would need to believe that Jesus was from heaven too. They would have to believe that both were sent from God. And they had a lot on the line here. Then again, they would be admitting that everything Jesus did in the, in the temple, cleansing the temple in the fig tree were Correct. Jesus was challenging their authority in his quest to set up his new kingdom and authority. So if they said from heaven they were in big trouble, if they said from human origin, this would have caused them trouble as well, because many many people believed that John was a true prophet sent by God. People were already recognizing the authority that Jesus was teaching with, and recognizing that it was more authority than the Sanhedrin would be able to teach. Them denying that would have put many people in opposition to them. Them saying, no, just human origin would have put them in a bad spot. It would have been bad in the polls, and it would have brought their ratings down with the people. So they plead ignorance. They try and save face by not answering the question. They say, we don't know. Now, we know that that's not entirely true. They would have had suspicions about who he is. They would have recognized a little bit about who he was. But again, they were sharks. Their hearts were heart. Their hearts were hard and they were unwilling to come down and and recognize and learn who Jesus was. Again, Jesus didn't feel the need to defend himself against this group, but his desire was that others around who had soft hearts would hear the message. You know, uh, sometimes there, like I said, there's people you come up against who have different views than you. And they're gonna ask you about it because they just wanna pick a fight. And so be careful and be cautious, again, about who you're being vulnerable with. Be vulnerable with people, but trust that you'll be, make sure you're cautious just like Jesus was with the religious leaders of that day. So Jesus uh, brilliantly handles this tricky group of people who had the agenda to derail his mission. Thankfully, Jesus was led by the Spirit and he functioned according to God's will. And he navigated this situation masterfully. And what an example to us. Again, as you can tell, I was very entertained by how Jesus handled this. But how can we take this now and apply it to our own lives? Remember I said at the beginning, we're going we're gonna to dive into this little scripture. And we're going to see how Jesus handled it. But in the background, we're going to be thinking, okay, how does that apply to me? Individually, and how does that apply to us as a church? You see, throughout scripture, God led people through tricky situations and difficult situations. And through the leading of the spirit, they were able to get through it. People like Moses leading the people out of Israel. He knew what God wanted him to do. And he followed God's leading and direction no matter what he came up against. That was one of his battles. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not bowing down when everybody else was. With boldness and courage, they said, no, this isn't right. I'm going to stand up through the power of the Spirit. David, standing up against Goliath, when everyone else else was afraid, he said, no, 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 no. This isn't right. This isn't right. I have to stand up for God's name. And he knew inside, through God's Spirit, I defeated the lion. Through God's Spirit, I defeated the bear. And I can defeat Goliath through God's strength. When Noah built the ark, even though everyone was making fun of him. Day by day, he went out there and worked on this ark and people ridiculed him and harassed him over and over and over. What we need to remember is the same spirit that was in those people and that was in Jesus when he fought that battle is the same spirit that is available to us today. The same spirit that is in us today to fight these battles. As Christ followers, we need to lean into God's strength and lean into God's spirit when we face difficult situations or decisions or pressures or when we need to defend our faith. Just like this group were trying to derail Jesus' mission, the same spirit that was within them is also at work in the world today. The enemy wants to derail your mission. The enemy wants to derail our mission as a church Each and every day, you have purpose to represent Christ and to fulfill God's will for your life. And you can expect to face difficulty and opposition. We're in this battle each and every day. Jesus prepared for this battle, and we should too. And like I said, we're also in this battle as a church. And as a church, we need to be clear on our purpose and our mission. So we're going to do a little vision review this morning. We did it back in the spring. We did a series on it. And it's good to continue to be refreshed for it. So West Park Church, we have a clear mission statement. It's everyday people on a journey together pursuing Christ. So let's say it together. Are you ready? With enthusiasm. One, two, three. How did you know? Is it up there? Oh, just kidding. (laughs) We have this mission to pursue Jesus each and every day. We have this mission to not be know-it-alls and arrogant, but just to be everyday people loving Jesus on this journey each and every day pursuing Christ. We have values of our church. Here are our values. Active faith demonstrated by engaging in evangelism, discipleship, worship, and biblical community. We're serious about our faith. More than just calling ourselves a Christian, but seeing it lived out in our lives, in our families, in our communities. Second one, servant leadership. Demonstrated by developing healthy servant leaders. We're serious about training up leaders and leading well and serving others. Cultural diversity. Demonstrated by embracing multiple cultures and generations. We have a unique church. We have a wide span of generations and cultures. We have our four different language congregations. And it's a really unique, special thing about West Park. One of our values. Next one is next generation. Demonstrated by reaching children, students, young adults, empowering them to lead. We must reach the rising generations and let them lead ministry and train them. We're serious about that. Notice the end of that statement, empowering them to lead. We're serious about that as a church, that next generation. Um, and missional engagement, demonstrated by investing in hands-on presence in local and global missions. We invest a significant amount of our time, energy, and finances in direct ministry missionary support, local initiatives, our language congregations, our partnership with Cuba. It's one of our values. Right now, we have one... Uh, of our global outreach partners, uh, Ashley Enns, who's based out of Maui. And Maui's going through incredible tragedy right now. And so um, I've reached out to her to say, you know, are, are things OK? What are ways that we can help? We're serious about missional engagement, one of our values. And then we have this strategy called PATH, P-A-T-H. P stands, stands for prioritize Relationships. This is the strategy of how we live this out, both inside the church and outside the church. Inside the church being in community in a life group, and outside building relationships with people who are not followers of Christ. So P prioritize relationships. A attend church. Weekly corporate worship is important. This is the one thing that, that most people are involved in on a regular basis. This also um, includes you know age and need felt ministries like kids, students, men's, women's ministries, etc. Attending church, it's important to be together. T stands for take time to serve and give. This step means we invest in the life of West Park with our time, talents, and treasures. We encourage tithing. We encourage serving on a ministry team and actively being involved in church ministry. And lastly, hunger to know Christ. Personal spiritual development, uh, classes, seminars, leadership development, and encouraging you uh, ongoingly to develop your own routine at home of personal devotions and prayer. This is our mission. <laughs> this is what we work for, fight for. West Park, you serve well. You, you uh, in, are involved in, on a Sunday. You're involved in ministry. You're involved in serving. Going to two services in this fall, more and more of you are going to get involved. And it's exciting. But this is our mission. And the enemy is going to do anything and everything he can to derail this mission. Just like he tried to trip up Jesus when he was going toe-to-toe with the Sanhedrin. He's going to try and trip us up as a church for a mission. But we must fight hard to stay on mission as a church body. There is so much at stake. Listen, God is doing great things here at West Park. Both with you individually and corporately as a body. And we just, we just need to continue to fan that flame and see what God does. So what are some ways that, that Satan attacks our mission as a church? This is not an exhaustive list, but I came up with a few religious people, like in Jesus' day. If we were to judge each other, put each other down, society pressures as society continues to get more and more, um, more and more evil, it's against the, what we stand for as a church. Like we said, Jesus came in to usher in this upside-down kingdom. What we stand for is very different to the society that we live in. Hypocrisy within the church, watering down the truth of God's word. We're committed to teach God's word and not water it down. Idealistic worldly views that are contrary to the Bible come against us. Sin, we allow sin into our lives. That tears us down from our mission. Laziness, complacency, selfishness, and pride. There are a lot of things that can tear down the church but we're a body. We need to come alongside each other. We need to help each other out. Celebrate with those who are doing well. Mourn with those who are not doing well. Let's be the church. Amen? Amen. What are some ways that we can prepare? Jesus prepared for this battle, this toe-to-toe battle with the Sanhedrin. What are ways that we can prepare? Again, not an exhaustive list, but prayer. Healthy habit of routine conversation with God, well, talking to God, listening to God. Bible, regular reading, front, at times deeper in study. Devotions, this simple thing of spending time with God each and every day. We, I challenge you on this most times when I get the opportunity to preach. This is such an important thing. Carving out time each and every day to spend with God. If you're not doing that, I encourage you to do it. It will make you stronger. It will make you stronger. You say, why is it so difficult to, to develop a, a habit of routinely spending time with God each and every day? Because it will make you better. <laughs> and the enemy doesn't want you to. And you've got to fight for it. But I, if you're not doing it, I encourage you to do it. Uh, walk before you run. Start small. Develop that habit in your life. I'm not trying to be, like, come down heavy. I'm just trying to encourage you. Uh, what's another thing we can do to prepare? Church, gathering like you are here today to learn, to grow, to give, and to serve, being committed to our mission, values, and strategy. Sometimes in a worship service, certain things will stand out to me. Today, what stood out to me as we were singing was some of the incredible truth in those songs. Some of those incredible biblical truths that we're singing, like some of those things we were saying today are really, really, really powerful. And coming together corporately to to sing and to worship is so important because it just, it realigns us on what's right. It realigns us individually on truth and it realigns us corporately what's uh, on truth. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, but we need to be actively involved in these things in order to prepare for the battles we're gonna face. So just a quick overview for today's message and then we're gonna wrap up. Jesus saw, we saw how Jesus came into Jerusalem. He challenged the religious leaders and won this amazing argument with them. He's working at setting up his authority in this new kingdom, and he didn't back down from those who tried to derail his mission. Our big idea today, the truth of scripture wins against the lies of this world, amen? So remember that as we come into battle and we face difficult situations. I encourage you in your quiet time this week, reflect on today's message, reflect on the scripture, reflect on the big idea, and look at ways that you can apply it. There's a battle going on all around us, and Jesus fought that battle in the temple that day with truth. Fill your lives with truth. You can combat in those battles as well. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a minute, a few minutes of of reflection. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God today. Respond to scripture today. I did my best to unpack it, but God's truth reigns supreme. Perhaps you today are in the midst of a battle. As I was talking today, you were like, oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm facing a battle. It could be similar to uh, the battle that, that Jesus was facing. And you just, you just feel like the evil of this world is coming against you, trying to derail your mission. Perhaps you are finding it difficult to stand up for the truth in God's word, and you're getting weary. This battle is tough. It's hard to stand up for truth. Possibly you're at the point where you're feeling tempted to give up the fight. For some of you, you're battling temptation and sin in a real way, and you don't want to lose that battle. Temptation is strong, the lure of sin is strong. And you're fighting that battle today. Perhaps you're having a difficult battle in your marriage or in a relationship with your family or other relationships and you need God's wisdom to know how to get through it. Others may be facing a health issue, physically, mentally, emotionally. You need to know today that God's in control no matter what the outcome. If you feel that you are in the midst of a battle today, I wanna pray for you. You need to know that God is right here with you in the midst of your difficulty, your struggle, and your battle. He is not far off. He is very, very close to you today. You need to be reminded today, those of you who are in a battle, that God sees every tear, He hears every cry, He feels every emotion, and He cares deeply about what you're going through. You are not alone. If that is you today, I don't want to center you out or cause a scene, but I would encourage you to respond to God this morning by simply placing your hand on your heart and my hand is on my heart today. By doing that, you're saying, God, I need your strength. I need your strength today. So if you're comfortable with that, put your hand over your heart as we pray. God, I thank you today that you care so deeply for each and every person in this room. Thank you, God, for the example that you laid out in Scripture for us and how you battled the evil in this world. I pray for every person in this room today, God, that that might find themselves in the midst of a battle, whether it be standing up for truth, difficult relationships, health issues, weariness, being worn out spiritually, mental health, insecurities, the list goes on. God, whatever people are facing today, God, you know the things that each person is dealing with in this room. And I pray that you would fill each person with your strength right now. I thank you, God, that you are in this battle with us and you promise to fight for us and help us as individuals and as a church body as we come against the evil in this world. Help us to be strong and united and to look out for one another and depend on each other and depend on you each and every day as you promise to fight for us. God, we know that you have great things in store for each one of us individually and also for us corporately as a church. And we pray that you would help us. Help us to be strong and united and to depend on you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.